Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105 and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken, receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you'll need to your weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Celtics Stuff Live with your hosts, Justin Poulin and John Duke. Welcome to Celtics Stuff Live on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio and video coverage for the Boston Celtics. I'm Justin. John is with me. It's been a while. Oh, man. I think we took like almost... A month off. I'm completely clueless. Uh, it's all my fault. And, John, uh, we're back together again so that you can get me up to speed. At least there's some light at the end of the tunnel that there may be some basketball played. And uh, they might finish out this season a little bit and do some playoffs. And then there'll be a delayed start to next season, probably a shortened season. I'm sure that this is a great opportunity for them to experiment with some things, kind of see how it goes over. And we've said for quite a while on this show that 82 games is a lot of games for these players to play. 
They've tried to uh, shorten it up by shortening the preseason, starting a little, you know, all kinds of little things like that to try to tweak it, less back-to-backs. But at the end of the day, I think we're going to see a, a shorter season, and maybe they'll be even more creative with the playoffs. Well, yeah, it, it sounds like, you know, certainly with the, the 22 teams and turning into a play-in tournament, uh, you know, or potentially into a play-in tournament uh, for both the final roster spots in both uh, both uh, the East and the West. It sounds like there's very possibly some some really intriguing things. Some things will be forced upon them, given the 22 team nature of the kind of end of this season. Uh, but also, here just in the fact that they're playing in a uh, a bubble environment with no home court. Uh, there's a lot of things that change, and you know, for that matter, they haven't really dealt with uh, you know a lottery odds and uh, some of the other you know kind of tertiary aspects other than trying to get down to one NBA champion. Everything else is is kind of like well, that's secondary to let's figure that final piece out of who's the champion, and then everything else kind of falls into um, you know into play, and so. If they're looking to start here at the end of July, uh, training camps opening up in the, in the beginning part of July, uh, it, you know, we're, we're about a month away from seeing basketball players play. And in fact, today, you know, there was some video of Jason Tatum and, and Gordon Hayward shooting around at the Auerbach Center. So, you know, that's a sign of, of actual basketball, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, instead of talking about it, potentially, maybe, possibly, could be, you know, it's, it's, it's real somewhat. So now now the question is, can we get to July without the whole state of Florida spiking and turning the whole thing on its head? Uh, and then, you know, two, you know, is can these teams figure it out and get through it and, and play without, you know, a massive outbreak of of the, uh, you know, of the covid amongst the NBA players, friends, teammates, uh, you know, support staff and so forth. So, well, it, a lot of articles coming out right now, John that are not substantiating in other countries that are doing a great job of tracing and tracking that uh, the asymptomatic or the individuals that are not showing any signs or symptoms actively, that uh, that transmission is does happen, but extremely, uh, extremely low. And so I think if they're just checking temperatures quarantining people that have, you know, the sniffles or body, you know what I mean? If they just get all over that and just continue to track and trace and get the active symptomatic people out of the way, they're going to have not, I don't think they're going to have that big of a problem, to be honest with you. The bigger issue is going to be, you know, the families and hanging out and, you know, making sure that everybody's sort of adhering to that. But, um, but don't get me started because this is not going to be a COVID show because I am COVID fatigued. Yeah. But it's obviously a factor. It's a factor when it comes to the draft, too. I mean, I haven't really read up a lot on what they want to do with that. But there are players that, you know, presumably are not going to be collecting paychecks until six months later or seven months later or whatever it is, depending on how they do this draft. I would like them. I would like to see them do the draft. Um, potentially even before the playoffs start, but I don't think there's any chance that's going to happen now. But I almost think that would be a great way to kick this thing back in action rather than trying to do the draft after the playoffs. The problem is, to your point, how do you determine the seeding then? 
And, and and that's where nobody's going to get on board with it because there's eight teams out there that already feel like they're going to get left out of, you know, potentially ad revenue and all sorts of things because, you know, right now there's no plan, although they're trying, there's no plan for them to play any games. That's, that's right. Yeah. There's, I mean, they haven't, they don't have a, a schedule yet. I mean, there was some talk that, that they would figure out, the next eight eight games for each given team, uh, and that would be the schedule for those 22 teams. Of course, they have to somehow fill the void that the eight those eight teams that aren't participating, uh, you know, figure out how to how to balance the, that schedule out. And then I'm sure there's some that that it won't be in completely true. But then there's also some probably some desire to to follow what was going to happen. So, for example, uh, you know, the Pelicans had the easiest schedule remaining out of any team, and they were but a handful of games behind Memphis for the eighth spot in the West. Now, <laughs> you know, everybody's, everybody's schedule got harder because you got rid of those eight worst teams. But is there going to be some deference given to, like, well, the Pelicans, if all things were even, would have had a chance to play against those worst teams? I mean, maybe I think some of this talk gets a little bit far down the road. I mean, I listen to Zach Lowe and Simmons and Rosillo and, and all of these guys. I feel like some of it is they're trying to go too far down the road. Um, big three podcast. They're trying to trying to go really too far down. I guess it's winning plays now. Anyway, point is they're going too far down the too far down the road. I feel like to try to make everything exactly the way it was. And like you have to, I, to me, the NBA. Has no, they got to gotta scrap they that. Exactly, give it they up. They got to scrap right? it. Do something different, and and know that nobody's going to be happy. And the only way to solve that is a total flat revenue share. We all kick in. We all share in it. No one team benefits more than the other because everybody's taking some losses right now, right? In the sporting world, everybody's taking a hit. And if you want this product to even come back anywhere close to normal, even if they do something creative and it works and they decide to shape the new the new NBA around that, like they should be thinking about marketing something totally new and different. They're never going to hit a reset button like this again. Never have that opportunity. They could just come out and, and literally call it and market it going into next season, the new NBA. Yeah. And right now, they just got to take a socialist kind of attitude <laughs> and just, I know, that's there's a buzzword. Somebody's listening again. Uh, if we just take a socialist kind of like perspective on it, share the wealth, you know, here's where the issue is going to really come into play, though. Uh, regardless of the revenue, the players that are going to play, if you do sort of sort of spread that out, the players that are going to play, I'm curious as to whether or not they're going to be more injury prone after all this time off. Some of the players maybe had access to facilities in their homes like we know some of the higher profile players, you know, are going to have a gym literally in their house. They have that kind of money. But I don't think all the players necessarily have those kinds of in-home facilities and may not have worked out really, really hard to know, you know, what the potential for that is. And so then if you're looking at it, like you're spreading the wealth, the teams that aren't putting their players at risk, um, you know, their players, I should say at risk for injury. Uh, and then you get a big, a big name, like, you know, I'm not going to mention any Celtics, <laughs> but let's say LeBron, LeBron gets James. injured. Yes. <laughs> 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 That's my mind. Giannis. You know, Giannis. If he, if, 
<laughs> that means, yeah, he's risky anyway. Like, actually, if anything, you know, if yeah, anything, right. Philly got helped. They were in some serious injury trouble, and now these guys have a chance to get healthy. Let's dive into that in just a second. But I just want to remind everybody to follow Celtic Stuff Live on Twitter at CSL underscore Tweet Live. You can follow me at CSL underscore Justin. John is at CSL underscore Duke, the entire CLNS Media Network at CLNS Media, Facebook.com slash CLNS fans and download the CLNS media app for iOS and Android. Simply search CLNS media in your app marketplace and the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash CLNS media. So yeah, John, like Philly, how lucky did they pan out in this scenario? They, they could perform way above where they were headed. uh, Thanks to, thanks to a few months off and being able to recuperate. Yeah, uh, well, and <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, the one that maybe, maybe, uh, being off has never helped Joel, Joel Embiid, though. So, you know, I don't know that I would trust that Embiid is going to walk back in and, and, you know, look like, uh, his, his old self. Um, apparently he's working but out they six days a week. Any worse. We're going to be any well, worse than where they were. That's well, the thing. You know, there yeah, was a really good chance he wasn't going to be okay for the playoffs had no, they started in mid-April. It's true, but I I think that the fundamental issue with that team, it, it, it there's nothing that the health was going to fix. You know, I mean, even if they get past Boston, even if they get past Toronto, right? One, I don't know if they have the horses to get past Milwaukee, and two. They have no spacing. Like it's it's just it boggles my mind how they just continue to play and beat their head against that wall as if it's 1983 again, and think that they're the faux 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 Sixers. They're not. Like that that game is gone, man. You got to have threes and you got to space. And you watch these games with with the Sixers, and I've watched some of them, you know, kind of through this you know, quarantine stuff, and it's crazy. The, the spacing is just absolute bananas. What they're doing and. It's because Ben Simmons refuses to shoot. And until he decides to shoot and watching some old Celtics games, watching Rondo, at least he was not in a spot. He wouldn't shoot, but at least he was spaced out on the floor. They yeah, got, he was they, moving. He was yeah, always moving. Totally. And Ben Simmons is, you know, in the dunker spot. or it, It's just that's not the way you can play with your best player or second best player. Uh, you know, clogging things up for your best player. It just doesn't work. So until until that happens, I don't have any faith in Philly. I don't care how good they are defensively. Good. I don't think they got enough offensively to make good. it go. Yep. Yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> good. It's good. It's all very good. So here's here's another thing. You know, the, I am worried about the injury factor. Uh, I'm. I'll be honest Boston? with you. And I, and yeah, well, yeah, Boston. I mean, the one thing Boston kind of got a lift too, because Kemba was struggling a little oh, bit there, you know, health wise. So you know, we got a little bit of a lift. But but I am worried about you know that team. Maybe even Hayward got helped out. You know, Hayward's a guy who's made enough money. I don't know if he has a court at his house or not, but he's a guy who's made enough money. He might have one outside. You know what I mean? Like nope. nothing. No. Nope. How do you know? Have you been yeah. there? Dude, it's Instagram, man. His wife, it's Robin. Robin is, she was going to buy one, and then he's like, no, don't do it. And it's, yeah. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we've learned about these players, and Robin is is her own story. But, like, there's so much you've learned (laughs) because of this. Um, 
Yeah, it's crazy. Anyway, I but may, yes. I may want to hear that story even if we don't want to talk about it on here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Okay, yeah. like if you don't think it's good, good podcast material, that's fine. Well, I'm capturing you for 20 minutes after this so you can tell me. She's a little crazy. That's all I'm saying. You know, she may be the right kind of crazy, but she's crazy. And so, you know, it's, you know, she apparently was going to buy him one and he said no. And eh, I don't know. Anyway, he showed up today at the, at the facility, had a mustache on. So I don't know what the hell's going on there with that. Guy. Handlebar? Daddy's handlebar? always happy, I guess. Yeah, handlebar. I think it is. Handlebar? He's going to he's going to wax the end. Ah, of it. the little spinner. No good. He needs a handlebar. <laughs> I think I want to do handlebar. You know what I mean? Like at some point I'll just rock. The, I don't think my wife would ever even like she yeah. kicked me out. She kicked me out. I, I think I would definitely kick him out if that's the case. I, I don't think he has choices over his facial hair. It's my guess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that is the right kind of crazy, bro. So no, but here's listen, no, but like, you're right though. Like you look at what's going on in Europe and Germany started playing soccer and they've had a lot of guys with muscle pulls, like leg, you know, hamstring stuff, you know, you know, adductor, you know, all kinds of like muscle pulls and stuff like that. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I hope that's all we see. My big fear is you're going to see some, some catastrophic stuff too. You know, the knees and the and the Achilles and stuff like that. And that would be, you know, that would really be an issue, certainly, for, for, for the league to come back and have that kind of be the story of, of you know, this. But see, that's why when you're talking about getting down the road and trying to get it back to normal, that is exactly why they need to come up with something creative. You know what I mean? They can build it in where there's some days off. The way, I mean, if they're not traveling, like, just think about how much time is spent on a plane that they can use that time all being camped out in Florida to spend more time with the trainers, more time light practicing and scrimmaging, you know, conditioning, some things like that. And I realize like an athlete can only do so much. I'm not saying like intense workouts, but I can also tell you that sitting on a plane for six or seven hours in a sort of contracted seating state, you know what I mean? is not always great. And so they they could spend a lot more time instead of sitting on a plane. They could spend a lot of time with the trainers, getting stretched out and making sure that you know the muscles are pliable. They're gonna have to pay a lot of attention to hydration and things. You know, like just really, really digging in on some of that. So, I if we're talking about it, there's no way that the teams had to, haven't already thought about this and are trying to figure out ways to deal with it. You know, so that's definitely that's something to keep a, a major eye on. We could talk about Jalen Brown a little bit here in a second, 12 hours in a car. But first, there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. NASCAR is back and BetOnline has hundreds of games, events and sports to still get in on. You can bet on simulated NFL, NBA and UFC I'm thinking in those simulations for the NBA, there's injuries. Or even participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge, a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament you can enter for free. And coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has ex-Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges joining them to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they are calling the Final Dance. Visit the website or use your mobile device and join today to receive your new welcome bonus and check out all the action. Bet online, your online wagering solution. Yeah, we talked a lot about 
the final dance. I don't know that I want to. Here's my thing about the final dance. Way too much drama after the final episode. And and I I got to tell you, John, like even the last couple episodes started, I started losing it. I started falling asleep in it. Like, I don't. Did you feel like there was a little bit of an anticlimactic or almost like it was disjointed as it was closing? Well, I knew how it was. I knew, I knew the end. So <laughs> it's like watching Titanic. You know, I knew the boat sinks. You know, um, I, it, there, you know what? I, I actually I would say to, to your travesty. point, though. Yeah, it's a travesty the way they portrayed Pippin. But go ahead. Say, say what you were going to say. Well, you know, I think it was fair. I, I think I think it was fair how the way they showed Pippin because, you know, it showed how great Pippin was, but it showed the error of that singular biggest moment when Jordan wasn't on the team. And it was the, the biggest moment of that, of that era from the moment, you know, Jordan retired to when he came back. Um, you know, I, I liked the early stuff in particular, kind of the early years of how he came up, you know, I think it showed accurately that he's a, he's a maniacal guy. Um, I thought it, it really did show a true picture of who he was, Yeah, but I think anybody who watches it should be watching a bit with a grain of salt and saying, He's a great player. You need to know he's a great player. I appreciate the fact that there are people who are uneducated about how good he was and who could see that and like, oh, wow, this guy was amazing. So there is a bit of kind of, you know, you play it up more than you necessarily would. But that's that's true in any situation like that. I felt like I thought it was it was pretty true, honestly, to, to my recollections of Jordan and, and how how his impact on the league, but also culturally and everything else. Uh, I thought it was a, a pretty fair shake, and um, you know, I, I think spent most of the time, you know, talking about how Scotty was left in the dark on the contract. You know what I mean? And and then they, you know, yes, the moment in the playoffs and not refusing to go back out on the floor and like all that. But they, they, I really didn't feel like they spent a whole lot of time talking about all the good that he brought and playing the second fiddle. That was my thing. I just, I felt like they could have rounded his character out. You know what I mean? And they really put him into two facets. You know, the, the, the willing, you know, sidekick who takes a pay cut and then the sulky little beep that, you know, uh, you know, got what he deserved. But the thing is, is that the team didn't never take care of him either. You know what I right. mean? Like the right. team never took care of him. And uh, again, that has nothing to do with why he didn't get back on the floor. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and all of that, but it's still, um, I just, I, I, I just felt like there was a little bit more of a complete story there. Like even the, even the, the guy from, you know, Podunk, Arkansas part, was really brief. Do you know what I mean? And there's a great story there. There's a great story for Arkansas there. There's a great story about Pippen. There's a great story about his family. And and you're so used to seeing, you know, a lot more about coming out of like the projects, right? Like that's the you know the Stefan Marbury story. Um, and I'm not saying that's a bad story. I'm just saying you don't usually get the Arkansas story, and you're never gonna get a documentary about Pippen unless it's tied to Jordan. So this was just a great opportunity. I thought to spend a little bit more time on that. And, and I felt like they, I felt like they sold Scotty a little short to be honest. Well, with you. I, I, the one thing I would also say is they spent you know, a part of every single episode. They talked about one key player of that group. 
in every single episode. You know, they spent a good amount of time on Steve Kerr and his dad and, and all that he, you know, all that he went through with that. Obviously, the Rodman stuff. Um, but those guys weren't there for both sections. Like, you got to remember. Yeah, Scott, but it was about there. that. Yeah, but it was because about they went last E.J. Season. Armstrong, John Paxson, you yeah. know, Kerr. And, and my about, point is, it, it was, was about, about the season. Yeah, right. It's about it. that 98 season and, and the last dance. And these are the key pieces that help. The, the problem is, is that to look at Jordan, to me, I, I wanted I, I agree with you. I wanted more about B.J. Armstrong. I wanted more about Horace Grant. I wanted more about John Paxson. I wanted to know more about Bill Cartwright. Um you know, because while that the you know, winning the sixth was great, or even Horace Grant, because Horace's yeah, character right. unexplored too. There were some serious tee ups for the right. Horace explosion that that just never happened. They kind of just floated it and let it fly away. Well, you can tell Jordan was the one who's controlling that, and you know that's why you know that's why I felt like that's why it happened because it was going to be what Jordan wanted to say about those guys and they'll give him a chance, but it was going to be Jordan had the last say on everything. And then two, really to me, Horace is the guy, he's the third best player of that run of all those teams. You know, you add Rodman, you add, you know, I feel like Horace in those, those first three was such an important piece of that puzzle. I mean, really, um, you know, he really made a difference against those tough Nick teams, uh, you know, in the first half. I mean, he was such an important piece. And then, of course, there's all that personal intrigue. To me, that's the unexplored piece of this is that there Dude, was. And Scotty Burrell got more play than Horace Grant in that. Right. Like, if you think about the featuring of Scotty Burrell, like clearly Jordan had a soft spot. If you're if yes. what you're saying is entirely true about him, you know, puppeteering what they focused on and, and how he felt Scotty Burrell got a ton of play thanks to Jordan. And they clearly loved that kid. And cause he was even like, it was a, it was a sense of pride when he was talking about how Scotty just needed somebody to push him, you know? And, and like, you know, there was almost like a little ego in Scotty. Burrell, Scotty Burrell would have been shit without me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know? he needs somebody to push him, and that's why I rode his ass for 82 games, you know, and, and then some. I mean, if that's Scott Burrell played for the Charlotte Hornets. Right. No, <laughs> he I would have been out of the league in two years. Right. Now, now I remember Scotty Burrell pretty well, not just because he was on those teams, but he was he was a UConn, UConn. guy. Yeah, and totally. he was also he was a baseball prospect as well. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, so there was, you know, he was actually when he came out, it was kind of like, oh, he's, you know, could be something, um, and it was just funny that that was, the, you know, they kind of zeroed in on him. That it, you know, I don't know, I just, it was, I thought it was really interesting. What I appreciate about it is just it kind of it brought Jordan's greatness back. I'd like to see them do that with others. I'd like to see them do that with with Kareem. I feel like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Is you know, and we're seeing this with some of the. He's getting a more of a voice, and people are looking to him with everything that's going on right now. Yeah, for sure. But as a player, the guy was a monster for you know twenty years almost, and he nobody knows it. You know, nobody talks about Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, and that guy was he was so amazing. You know, I mean, he had uh, was it six MVPs, five MVPs, a hook shot. had been used obviously right. by the Tommy Heinsons of the world, like sure. players who were very gifted, who are in the hall of fame, but yeah. 
there's only one name that's synonymous with that hook shot. Exactly. And it's Kareem. Right. He own like if there's a move, he owns the hook shot. Absolutely. Everybody knows it. And it was an airplane for God's sakes. I mean, come on. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's Murdoch, baby. You know, That's all it takes. But, but you know, and, and I, I got, I mean, Kareem. You know, as a Celtics fan in the '80s, you, you you never really had a lot of love for Kareem. But like, that guy was an amazing player for a really long time, and the league just didn't have that shine. And and part of it's because the league was in a rough spot in the '70s and the early '80s. And as the best player in a team that's in a, in a league that's faltering, you're never going to get the credit. Magic and Bird are going to get the credit because they brought the change. But but Kareem was a great player, and his numbers hold up over the test of time. And I'd love to see them kind of explore more of Kareem's. Maybe no one would watch it. Maybe people. He was you the know, easiest. He was but, the easiest Laker oh. to like, right? I mean, as a Celtics fan, Kareem was by far the easiest Laker to like. There was even there was so you respected him. There was a part of him that you just couldn't help but like in a way there you could hate you could even hate magic johnson who's not really a bad guy right like he's not isaiah thomas dislikable and even since then but because of the heated rivalry you could place a lot of you know i don't like that guy the same way no not the same way as lebron but you can definitely put that in similar ways there's some similarities there yeah yeah but 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 kareem was a guy I remember liking him. I remember my parents because we didn't have a lot of money and I didn't get the nice shoes. I got Hakeem Olajuwon reject shoes from Martins. I got uh and I got a Kareem Abdul Jabbar basketball. Nice. And I'm gonna let out my dirty little secret. Uh oh, it's gonna happen. You're gonna say it. I gotta say it. Oh God, here we go, everybody. People are people are, people are never gonna let me come back from this. Oh jeez. I only just recently told you. I mean, I we've know. been doing this for 20 years, and I've been keeping my dirty little secret. Uh-huh. Uh, so uh, because I didn't really follow basketball all that close when I was really young, and my parents bought me a Kareem Abdul-Jabbar basketball, and my best friend had moved from uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, uh, to Maine, and he was a Lakers fan, I definitely... I have to get I feel so, I'm going to feel so much better after I say this. I definitely rooted for the Lakers for like three years. Oh god. I thought I'd feel better. I don't feel better. Silence. But but that I've been you know the weight of that. Yes. That on me. You know, for so long. And then I left the Lakers and rooted for the Charlotte Hornets in the Alonzo morning, Glenn Rice, Kendall Gill. That was kind of my team for a little bit. And then uh, and then I returned to the Celtics when they were like really bad. But. Yeah, you know, it, we all make mistakes when we're young, Justin, Um you know, I would say, I mean, Kareem was, he was respected, but he was, he was probably considered a kind of a whiny bitch a little bit. Um, but I think, <laughs> I think he was respected then, nonetheless. Uh, I mean, when you're that good for that long, how do you not just you know, tip your cap? Five to the guy? minutes ago, you're agreeing with me that he might be one of the more well, likable players. 
Packers. Then I let out the dirty secret, and all of a sudden, Kareem's a total bitch. I just no. and you were just literally like, we need to hear Kareem's story, and now you're totally shutting we it do. down. Well, we do. I just, you know, as a Celtics fan, and you're in the heat of the battle. You know, I don't see myself in 10 years saying, you know, that Mo Williams was really an unsung hero in those Cleveland Cavaliers teams of the late 2000s. That's not going to happen. I'm going to say Kareem is one of the greats of all time, all-time leading scorer, you know, on and on and on we go. I mean, one, you know, multiple, 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 um, you know, 15-time All-NBA, six-time NBA champion, two-times finals MVP you know, Hall of Famer, six times MVP. I mean, that's a that's a hell of a resume right there. But, you know, as a Celtics fan, you hate the guy and the best guy on the other team. Magic was tragic, right? But Kareem, I mean, he was, you know, he was, he was unstoppable. I mean, you couldn't do anything with him. I think, you know, Max has done a good job of late of kind of talking about what why Kareem was so good. He had a great um, interview with Robert Parrish, uh, on his podcast, and it was really good to hear those two guys talk because, you know, there's just to hear that, you know, two teammates going back and forth and just talking about how they respected Kareem as a player. Now, as a fan, I wanted to see Kareem Abdul Jabbar embarrassed. I didn't care that he was going out and getting a rocking chair and all that. I wanted, I wanted the Lakers to, you know, um, to cry. You know, I wanted, I wanted blood, but, you know, that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's what happens when you're a Celtics fan, you know, in the eighties. I mean, you, there's a lot of passion there. So I, I just think that we're in a point, you know, with Kareem, he, he just, he has not gotten that respect. And, you know, the last dance was its own thing. And Jordan was this cultural phenomenon. Kareem never was that player, but he deserves that respect, you know? So, um, I, yeah, they know, could spin off good. on this. Yep. Absolutely. Ah. They could spin off on this. And I know we're coming up, at the end of the show, and we've still got to ride out, you know, at least a month until training camp, and then, you know, uh, probably another six to eight weeks before we see any playoffs, I mean, any games, you know, and then the playoffs after that. So we've got time. We can save uh, the Jalen Brown, you know, driving 12 hours conversation for the next show, I think. Um, I want to leave time for predictions. Um, so who are they playing? Oh, no. <laughs> We can we can talk about the Jalen Brown thing real quick. I mean, I, I don't look only if you forgive me for for the the Kareem and the Lakers thing. No, no, no. I, you, you get my respect for the Kobe dis you know distrust and dislike. I I, I never I, liked Kobe. That gets that gets a lot of uh, you, just you know that the Charlotte Hornet the Charlotte Hornets drafted Kobe <laughs> in the time when I loved the Hornets. Like, and traded him for, for for Vladi, right? And then, or yeah, and then uh, it was probably a year after that that I bailed and was like, I don't know what they're doing anymore. So yeah. well, they lost Zoe and Larry Johnson and all that. God, know, I loved Larry. No, Larry's how it happened because I was a UNLV Larry Johnson fan, Grandmama. I, you know, so I always would as the Celtics were bad in those '90s. You know, I was. I always take a second team, you know, kind of like a team I'd root for. Yeah. I rooted for the Magic. Um, you know, when the Celtics were out of it, I was rooting for the Magic. I wanted to see Shaq, you know, kind of dethrone, you know, Michael and, and kind of lead that. I liked Penny Hardaway and, and yeah. Shaq 
That was fun. I like those Phoenix Suns. I always love Phoenix and Charles. Oh, uh, Steve Nash. Yeah, that yeah. was a fun. No, before. Before that. Charles oh, yeah. and KJ and oh, Dan yeah, yeah. Marley, yep. Chambers, uh, David West. I mean, Oliver Miller. I mean, those were some fun teams. Uh, you know, because when the Celtics were bad, it was always like, okay, well, other teams are still playing. So I got to have a rooting interest. And yeah. so I, Charlotte was – tertiary but part of the part of where they lost me is one they had a lot of north carolina influence in their uniforms so that lost me yeah, they did. um you know yeah, so i was not cool with that yeah I see uh, that. yep and, and i and i think with those when those uh expansion teams came in the late 80s it was like you got to pick one you know and so i kind of yeah. greg yeah. kite got drafted by by the magic in the expansion draft and so i kind of went i was like well i'll root for kite you know <laughs> I don't know why, but I root for Greg Kite uh-huh. <laughs> to, to Orlando, and you know, so that was that was that. But Muggsy uh, Bogues, I don't know how you can't Muggsy. pull for a Muggsy. Muggsy. You know, that was I was like, oh, dude, they had Muggsy and Kendall Gill and Larry Johnson, and they got Zoe a couple of years later, I think, right out of Zoe Georgetown, was, maybe Zoe two was, years. No, was it back was, to back, Larry and then yeah. Zoe? Yep, that's yep. Right. Larry was Larry's ninety one, Zoe was ninety two draft. Yep. Ken, yeah. It was Kendall Gill, Larry, and then Zoe. Yeah. I think that was their three picks in a That's row. Right. Yep. And Muggsy was – Muggsy started the with expansion the expansion draft. Yeah, I was thinking he was an expansion yeah. draft pick. Yep. And they – you know, and they, they really ran well, but the owner was a complete nut job, and I think they got a little too ahead of themselves, and, and so they, you know, started selling players. And, you know, when the when Alonzo and those – They trade to get Glenn Rice. Did Kendall Gill go yep. in that deal? Yeah, I'm not sure. I All I remember is when Alonzo uh, – Alonzo, when Alonzo morning and, and that – that team in 94 beat the Celtics in the playoffs. You know, that first, that was that 93, that famous 93 playoff with, when Reggie passes, um, you know, that was, that was a year when I was, you know, you watch that and the Celtics, you know, I was trying, I was hoping, Oh, they'll be there. They'll get there. You know, they're going to come back. It's, you know, I was, I was, and all these hopes yeah. and dreams, you know, that, oh, they'll figure it out. And, you know, you know, Larry's gone, but, you know, things will things will turn around. I mean, they got to. Right. And, you know, unfortunately, it just, you know, it didn't it didn't happen. Um, stroke of bad luck. It, yeah. The first of many, you know, or, or I shouldn't say the first of many, but first uh, along the way of it, a number of many, I guess, you know, yeah. um, it was, that was so probably the most salt. That was probably the most salt in a wound, because it's such a likable player. Oh, totally, totally yeah. like likable player. Uh, you know, I got to meet him once. Uh, he had a camp that he ran right. up in Maine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, soft-spoken guy, sweet guy, and um, you know, I, you know, just. You, you just your heart broke for him, you know, and it bro- he meant so much. He didn't, ju- he didn't just mean so much for the team. He meant so much for the city. Um, you know, he always had his, uh, his traditional Thanksgiving baskets that he gave away turkeys. And, and I mean, he was, he was a community minded guy, uh, you know, and really took the and legacy embraced. and he embraced. embraced. Yeah. Cause he was in that difficult period of it's the handover of bird to the next era. And he was the next era. Yeah, he just hit potential oh. all-star status. Like, Absolutely. like perennially. Yeah. Right. 
Right. He's 27, had the world in front of him. I mean, think about it, a 27-year-old player now. I mean, that's the entering your prime, the middle of your prime. You're as good as you're going to be and just struck down yeah, like that. Six and seven years. Yeah. The I 90s. The 90s were a tough time, and so you always you had to look at other areas because if you stayed just rooting Boston and you you know it was a it was a that was a tough year, tough time, yeah. to, tough time to yeah. be a kid, tough time you're to be right. a kid and, and oh and, dude and, and and be and be a fan of teams, right? You know, yeah. like whether you're in college or high school, you know that Especially was that's in kind New of New England, it was just rotten. Right. right. I think that's that, the, yeah. yeah, that's the vintage you and I are, and you know we're in high school, college at that time, and. You know, those are kind of like your teams, your formative years. You know, it's like, okay, these are going to be my teams. Like the 80s, when I was a kid, that was my team. Okay, Larry Bird, I love Larry. But Reggie, like Reggie's my guy. Like I'm going to high school and all that. And it just, you know, obviously, it, it you know, tragedy struck. Um, but, you know, I, I think, uh, yeah, boy, that was a trip down. That was a winding path during during our going down the memory path on that one. Jalen Brown and rap. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. I, so, you know, look, what do two guys from, from Maine, you know, can say about, you know, everything going on? Probably not a lot. <laughs> I, I probably don't have a whole lot to add, only that as a fan of a team who has broken barriers, um, and I'm just going to talk as a sports fan. I'm not a psycho, you know, not a, a sociologist or anything, but I appreciate the leadership qualities that Jalen Brown is showing. I appreciate someone who's being forthright about saying the right thing when uh, there could be financial circumstances that could come to harm him. Physical harm could come to harm him. And that guy is standing up and doing the right thing. And and his teammates have, you know, Marcus was out there, um, you know, uh, um, uh, and his cancer was out of Boston. Yeah, right. I think it's because I right. think it's because he went home. Sure, uh, honestly, right? He went and got home others. Like he's and got others. Yes, yeah. He's a leader. I mean, he got Mark Malcolm Brogdon out there. He got you know he's got rappers out there. I mean, he's he's trying to and he's trying to do it the right way and um, just all the respect in the world for that guy. I mean, there's a lot of stuff and 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 it's it's sad and it's anger. It, it gets you really angry about what's going on and. Um, you know, I just well, I, I'm with you. I can't even I don't even feel comfortable sharing my views, right. not just on any platform. It's just right. too it's too intense. You know what I mean? And and I'm not the voice, but Jalen can absolutely be the voice. And I remember when Mark Spears did the piece right before the draft, you know, and everybody was like almost like, ah, he might be too smart. You know, too smart could be an issue, but, you know, to your point, the leadership qualities, you know, this team locked him up because they saw something in him, even though they had Jason and, you know, there was all these trades and everything else. And um, most assuredly, he would have gone in any package for Anthony Davis, highly likely anyway, you know, but but at the same time, they were not going to give up on him. Even though all the focus was on Tatum, they weren't going to give up on Jalen very easily. And I think the thing that is, um, you know, it's it's his dedication, right? So you can put that anywhere. Like he's intelligent, and and they said, oh, maybe he's too smart, and you know, whatever. But it's really the dedication. It's the dedication to his craft. It's the dedication to his community. It's the dedication to his team. You know, it's the willingness to be 
the guy coming off the bench and finding a new way to reinvent himself. Like there's just a commitment level from him, you know, in a, in a level of responsibility for such a young man that, you know, I think we all forget how young these guys are. Like I definitely would never have done anything like that anywhere close. Never, never. Because I honestly couldn't even get my shit together in my early twenties. Right. And, you know, he's not only is he a multimillionaire with probably every single distraction and opportunity to just be a complete knucklehead and yet the commitment. Mm. Um, and, and so, you know, in a very big I mean, driving 12 hours to go down there and do that, like mm. you said, getting other people like he committed to that cause, you know, and and decided very clearly where he stood and what he wanted to do. And he went out and executed it. And, um, you know, I just you have to respect that in anybody who's like under the age of 30. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and I I mean, I will say, uh, you know, I don't like you said, I, I don't know how much I can add to his experience or what that means for, you know, how it impacts you. I mean, I live in a, in a state that's probably 99% white. Like what can I, you know, do, but I think all I can do, and there's ways to help and ways to donate money and ways you can, you can support the cause. But I think if you use your voice and you just say, look, you know, I support the ideas of where you're going, um, you know, and, and, that, at least as an ally, I think as an ally of people who have a voice that should be heard, I think we can do that. Uh, I don't think my experience is all that important, but I think I can I can do what I can to support those who do things I do believe in, but I don't have the words or the or the, the background or the experience. Uh, to let's say to this. Do it. You, you know? just believe in bravery. There you go. Yeah, you know. absolutely. Yeah. And, right. world, and I think change is needed and change is needed. I think change is needed in this world on any number of different levels. And I think um, that I will say. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll say this and it's global. There just needs to be more understanding across the board. Bingo. I'll say that. Yep, and a desire to understand. And I feel like that's where Jalen's coming from on so many levels. Right, right. There you go. All right, that's going to do it. This broadcast will be available on demand on the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at CSL underscore Justin and at CSL underscore Duke. A heartfelt thank you to everybody for tuning in. And remember that you can support the show by subscribing to Celtic Stuff Live on iTunes and Stitcher or harassing us on Twitter when we take a three to four week break and you want to hear the show we'd love it if you gave us a rating and a review because your feedback is important to the show and for staff writer samuel elias executive producer larry h russell and the founder of clns media and the one who gave us a kick in the ass to get it going again nick Chelso and my co-host john duke thank you nick i'm justin poolin thank you for listening to this week's edition of celtic stuff live ow ow (laughs) werewolves in london (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, what? I don't know. I don't know why. It's not like doing that. Ow! It just didn't happen. Whatever, dude. Like, stupid shit comes out of my mouth every time we do a show. Uh, the way it should be. Holy cow. That's a good outtake, so if you want to leave that in there. <laughs> oh, oh, I didn't stop recording. All right, I'm going to stop.